Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church. It is great to be with you this morning, whether you are here at the Banks Mill campus, whether you are um, tuning in through the live stream at one of our other campuses over at West or Ridge, whether you are sitting in a firehouse in Hookstown, Pennsylvania, watching online, or whether you are in Steve and Angel's living room in Ghana and West Africa, wherever you are, we're glad you're here with us, and it is, uh, it's an exciting morning for me just to be with you and get a chance uh, to share some with you this morning. My name is Wes. I'm the campus pastor from the West Campus. No, they're not the same. My name doesn't have a T in it. It confuses the kids like crazy. They are like, oh, well, it's, he's Pastor West, and then the West Campus is his church, but that's not it at all. We just named it the West Campus because it's on the west side of town. But that's normally where I hang out, but we are, um, we, we're in this summer series, and uh, I get a chance to come over and, and hang out here at Banks Mill and share with the, the rest of the folks watching online, and I'm so glad to be here. I hope and pray that you had a great Fourth of July celebration. Anybody eat too much Fourth of July? Anybody that would confess that this morning? I know I did. Um, I hope you had a chance to enjoy some of the freedoms uh, that we have in this great country of ours. I hope that you have all of your fingers intact, that nobody lost anything. I'm looking at you, Steve. Uh, you know, with fireworks and stuff, nobody took a bottle rocket in the eye or anything like that. And if you didn't have a chance to, to have some time off, if you uh, we're working well, praise God, at least you have a job and you were able to make some money and pay your bills or buy some cool stuff, whatever that looks like. Um, you have picked a great day to be here, and not because I'm here, but because we are continuing in uh, what I have found to be one of the greatest series that we have ever done. In fact, we, this is part of what we call our, our annual summer book study, and this summer we are studying the book of Amos. And we are in week three, and this series is called Amos, Let Justice Roll. And if you're like me, some of you are probably saying, Amos, is that even in the Bible? Yes, Amos is in the Bible, I promise. Uh, he was a guy that is considered a prophet, and uh, he lived a long, long time ago. But I'm going to share some of the things that, that he wrote down, some of the things that he shared with his people back then, because I think it has a lot to say to each of us today. If you're new to church, or if you're new to the Bible, um, Amos was a guy who lived a very long time ago, almost 3,000 years ago, and he was a Jewish prophet. He was a guy who, as Pastor Philip shared a couple of weeks ago, oh, and by the way, uh, if this is your first Sunday with us, or if you've missed the last two weeks, can I just say, let me encourage you, go back, watch online. You do not want to miss. Pastor Philip did a great job starting this series off two Sundays ago. Pastor KT did an awesome job last week, and, and if you miss any of these uh, messages, you're really going to miss some great content. But Amos was a prophet. He was a Jewish prophet, and he was a guy who um, heard things from the Lord, and then he shared those with the nation of Israel, with the Lord's people. And he lived uh, in, the, in the southern part of their territory, but he was called to go to the northern part of their territory to share some of the things. See, the, the people of Israel at that time were, were really a lot like us, like we are today. They were experiencing prosperity. They were experiencing a time of peace. Things were going really well. But in their prosperity, they had forgotten some things. They had forgotten God. They had forgotten the truth of who God was and, and what he had done, his faithfulness to them, and that they were supposed to worship him. And so Amos is a guy we don't talk a whole lot about. He's considered one of the minor prophets. Uh, he's a, an older contemporary to guys like Hosea and Isaiah. You've probably heard of them. Um, but, he, but he's got some things to say to us that, are, that were incredibly relevant to the, the nation of Israel 3,000 years ago, and they're incredibly relevant to us today. And if you don't hear me say another thing this morning, 
I want you to, to get this. This is kind of the big idea of everything that I'm going to share this morning. Everything that I'm going to talk about wraps up to this idea right here. Here's the big idea. Going through the motions of religious acts means nothing if the rest of your life isn't in obedience to God. Let me say that again. Going through the motions of religious acts or religious activities doesn't mean anything if the rest of your life isn't in obedience to God. Obedience is a word we don't like to, to hear a whole lot, do we? Uh, obedience is somewhere you take your dog to teach it to sit and roll over, right? We don't, we don't want to think about that a whole lot in our lives. Here's another way to say this. What we say we believe about God should show up in our lives every day of our lives, right? The things that we claim to believe, for those of us especially who are followers of Jesus, if you're here this morning and, and you don't have a relationship with God, you're not a Christ follower, you don't even believe God exists, you just showed up because somebody invited you to lunch, praise God, we're so glad you're here. This really doesn't apply to you, right? We have a core value at Cedar Creek Church that says we don't expect non-believers to act like believers until they become believers. And then we expect believers to act like believers. We expect our lives to, to live out what we claim to believe. And that's the big idea of everything that I'm going to be sharing about this morning. My wife Kelly and I um, just got back from an awesome trip. It was our 25th anniversary on June 25th. She has tolerated me for 25 years by God's grace. And uh, we got a chance to go on a trip of a lifetime. And if I could just take a second to say to our friends at the West Campus, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for how you blessed us. Uh, we never would have been able to take this trip, but our people for our 10th, it was our, my 10th year as campus pastor, uh, Kelly's 10th year as our uh, Kids Creek director, and our people blessed us. And because of that, we were able to go to Alaska. And it was an incredible, incredible trip. And we have been humbled by the gift and the generosity. So we fly into Anchorage, and we spend the evening, and we get on a train, and the goal was to take this train down to a little town called Seward, right on the water, and then get on a cruise ship and um, do, a, do a cruise, a seven-day cruise. They call it the Inside Passage, and it was awesome. And so we're on this train, and, and we're in this car that has a glass top. It's incredible. Some of you have probably been there before. I know I've seen some of you on Facebook have visited there. Um, it, it was just amazing. And I just found myself looking at, I saw uh, doll sheep, the white ones that are real pretty, but it was summertime and they looked a little ragged, right? Because they were losing their winter coat. I mean, all of us are entitled to a bad hair day every now and then. But the doll sheep were glorious. The, the, the bald eagles that were flying by were incredible. Uh, there were moose. We went through this kind of uh, inland waterway area on the train and there were moose out there feeding. And it was just amazing. And I just, I felt like I just wanted to, to worship. And in fact, we had an opportunity when we got to Juneau to worship with a, a small portable church there. Um, and we had a, had a blast connecting with those folks. But, but back to the train trip. So I've got my camera, I've got my phone with my camera, and I'm taking all of these pictures of all this incredible scenery, all of this incredible wildlife, and it's really kind of overwhelming, right? Because everywhere you look, I told Kelly, I'm like, I'm going to have thousands of pictures of like the same mountain. Now, all the mountains look the same, but they're just incredible. And in the middle of that, as I'm I'm saying to her, man, isn't God good? Look at what God has done. God has made all of this. It's just incredible. And, and I heard in my spirit, I don't know, I don't know, still don't really know what it was, but I heard this. I heard the mountains will declare his majesty or, or the mountains declare his majesty, something like that. And I was like, oh, was, was that, 
Was that the Holy Spirit talking? Is that a, a verse in the Bible that I had read? Was that a, a, a lyric from a song that I've sung before? I didn't know. But it, it got me because I was like inspired. I thought, well, that's cool because, yeah, I look out at these mountains and I see God's handiwork. And it, and it did something down inside of me. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you before where, where you hear something in your spirit and maybe it's a passage of Scripture that God has recalled to your mind or maybe it's a lyric from a song or, or, or just something that the Spirit's saying to you. But I love it. I love it when that happens. And so here I am on this train. And I'm seeing all this stuff and I, I'm, I'm being, I think, inspired to worship and God brings this thought to my head. So it sends me on a search because I'm an investigator by training in my background and my former life. And so I want to know where did this come from? And so on the train, I'm, I get my Bible app out on my phone and I'm looking and I'm searching different passages. And I land in a passage of Romans chapter 1. And this idea, this, this thought that I have comes straight out of Romans 1. And I want to share it with you this morning as I kind of set up uh, the, the Amos part that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. But I'm going to read this passage of scripture to you to kind of give you the feel of where I was, what I was thinking, where I believe God was pointing me, and then unpack it just a little bit. So Romans 1, if you've got your Bible app, you can click there. If you've got a Bible with you, turn there. I'm going to read a, a longer passage, but then I'm going to take it back and show you the, the verse that I really want you to hold on to today. Starting in verse 20, Romans 1, it says this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Push pause right there for a second. This was kind of the thing that was in my heart, and I didn't even realize it until I got into it. I'm looking at all of this stuff, and I'm thinking, how can people look at this, how it all works together, and not recognize that there's a God, right? How do salmon leave from their, their stream when they're like this long and five, six years later after they've gone to the ocean and like thousands of miles away, they come back right to the very stream where they were born. Fish with a brain as big as the end of my pinky, right? How does that happen unless God has ordained it and he's created it and he's designed it and he's made it happen? So, so seeing all of this, Romans, Paul says to the Romans, all of us are without excuse. We can look around and see that God exists. Picking back up, verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served. Don't miss this. This is where it gets real. They worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. See, each and every one of us was made by God. And we believe that each and every one of us was made in the image of God. And we were made for God, for his plan, for his purposes. But we don't always live that way, do we? I know I don't. It was a big chunk of my life where, where I lived in any other kind of way other than what was honoring to God. When I read that passage, especially in light of what I experienced in Alaska, the word that came to my mind was worship. Worship. 
It was worship, right? It was honoring God. God has made us and created us. One of the, we believe, the five purposes, one of the five reasons that God has made us is so that we will worship. All of us have that um, written into us and woven into us, right? We're all going to worship something or someone. The question is, will you worship God? Will you worship the creator or will you worship somebody or something that he has created? What will you do? Who will you worship? Somewhere in our lives it goes wrong, right? Somewhere this desire that God has put in our hearts for him, so I've heard some describe it as a God-shaped hole in our, in our souls that, that, that only he can fill, but, but we fill it with all kinds of different things, trying to, trying to find that connection. We miss the mark, the Bible says. All of us miss the mark. So there's so much truth in this passage, but I just, I want to share the biggest truth that I see, and it comes right out of that last verse. I've already read it, but I want to read it to you again, and I want to give you the first fill-in that's on your program, on your outline today. It's this, that we should worship the creator, not the creation. Worship the creator, not the creation. It says they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. I got a chance that Sunday morning in Juneau after the service to speak with the, the pastor of that church. He'd been there seven years. Uh, he did what they call a parachute plant where he, I think out of Washington State, he packed up his whole family and they moved to Juneau, Alaska. They dropped him there and he planted this church called Radiant Church. They meet in an elementary school. It was an awesome gathering of about 40 people, very similar to us. Um, we had a, a, a Google, right? They're like, how do you find a church in Juneau, Alaska? You ask the Google. Oh, great Google. Where is there a church near the cruise port, right? And so it popped up some churches, and I looked for one that just kind of lined up with Cedar Creek Church. I looked for one that looked like it was similar to our worship style and, and maybe our statement of beliefs, and, and, and Radiant was that kind of church. And so afterwards, I'm outside talking to one of the church members, and the pastor comes out, and he thinks we're somebody new in town. And so as pastors do, we want to make sure that we try to connect with people. And uh, he started asking us, and we learned a little bit of his story. And he said, well, listen, the reason why we're here is because Alaska is only 6% churched and saved. <sighs> Can you believe that? I mean, this is in the United States of America, right? I mean, you expect that in other countries, right, around the world. But a state in our union, the 49th state, 94% of the people that live there don't know Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, don't have a church home. And, and it blew me away. It broke my heart, really, if I could be completely honest because I looked around and it was kind of like Paul when he's in Athens and he says hey I see you people are very religious because you've got temples everywhere temples to everything but you even got one to the unknown God let me tell you who that is and he starts telling him about Jesus it was kind of like that I'm looking around and I see totem poles and I see all this uh, iconography icons right the raven and the sun and all these things that people worship and put in the place of God that and that happens right there in one of our very own states and all they're doing is what we do. It doesn't matter what our preferred sin is. It doesn't matter what our dysfunction is. It all comes back to what Paul said. We trade the truth of God for a lie, don't we? Sure we do. We worship the creation rather than the creator because that's what we like. We don't want to do what God says. We don't want our life to line up all the time with what God says. Because sometimes there's some other things that we like that we enjoy that don't line up with God's will, right? So we trade the truth about God for a lie. What does that look like? Well, 
maybe in this world, in this context, I would say some of us maybe worship a job because of the money that it brings, right? Because of the security that it gives us, because the 401k is going up, because we can buy the boat and we can buy the motorcycle and we can have the stuff, all the things. Trust me, I know I was that guy. My motto used to be, he who dies with the most toys wins. I used to love stuff. I still love stuff. But sometimes we worship a job for the stuff that it brings. Sometimes we worship a relationship, right? Because we don't want to be alone. God says, trust me, I got this. But we, we take it upon ourselves to, to pursue a relationship that's out of bounds with what God's word says. We worship that relationship because of the security that it brings us. Sometimes we worship our kids, right? Uh, we were very guilty of this when our kids were little. We made a kid-centric household at times, right? We worship our kids and their potential future as sports stars and ballet dancers. Well, I'm preaching now. Oh, y'all got quiet. We make lifestyle choices that are far from God's best in our lives. And we give it our time, we give it our talent, we give it our attention, we give it our money, we give it our resources. You realize that's what worship is, right? That's all worship is. It, it comes from an old English word that, that says worthship, W-O-R-T-H, worthship. It means ascribing value, ascribing worth to something or someone. Will that be the creator or will that be something or someone that he's created? Paul says, worship God. Not the people or things that God has created. I, I like how Jesus says it in Luke chapter 4, verse 8. Jesus says, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. It's interesting to me that Jesus, he says that to, to our spiritual enemy, to Satan, right? Jesus is out in the wilderness, he's being tempted, and, and the enemy shows up, and, and one of the things that he says to him is, hey, you just worship me, and I'll give you everything that you see. And Jesus, I love it, uses the Old Testament, uses the scripture to say, no, no, that's not right. I'm supposed to worship and serve only God. So you may be thinking, Wes, what the heck does this have to do with Amos? That's a great question, and I'm glad you asked, because that's where we are right now. Our passage from Amos today is really just, it, it springboards off of this idea that, that Paul gives us in Romans about worshiping God alone, worshiping the creator, not the creation. Uh, Amos talks a little bit more in depth about worship. And so I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to unpack it. It says this, it's Amos chapter 5, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 21. This is God speaking prophetically through Amos. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your guitars and drums. Sorry, harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. So if you're like me, you're probably thinking by now, well, Wes, what the heck did we just do this morning at all of our campuses, right? If God hates these things, if he hates our hymns and our songs of praise and he hates our offerings and our worship and all this stuff, why are we doing it? Well, because God doesn't really hate worship. God wants our worship. The problem is, is that the people of God in Amos's time, and, and a lot of times in our day, we worship out of the wrong 
reasons. We worship out of obligation or ritual rather than out of a heart and out of a love for God. God hates this kind of stuff. He, he doesn't want your obligation. He doesn't want your ritual. He wants your heart. That's what God is saying through Amos. He doesn't want religion. Now, I, I know you're going to say, Wes, what about James 1? I know Pastor Philip touched on it two weeks ago. And, and I will say this. All throughout the Bible, time and time again, the Bible has nothing at all kind to say about religion. I don't mean pure religion like James talks about. James says, rightfully so, that pure religion is to care for widows and orphans, right, in their distress. I'm not talking about pure religion. I'm talking about man-made, systematic, ritualistic rules and ceremonies that claim to honor God when the rest of our lives don't reflect his heart. They don't reflect his purposes. They don't reflect his image in our lives. We just do it out of obligation, and it's empty. It's hollow. And that's the point of what Amos is saying. So what do we do? What should we do? Well, here's the second fill-in for you. Worship every day, not just one day. Worship every day, not just one day. We like to say at Cedar Creek that worship is a lifestyle, not an event, right? Pastor Philip talks about this all the time, that Sunday morning is just the, it's like the halftime. We come in to get charged back up and, and, and to, to get spiritually fed, and then we, we go back out to play the rest of the game. It, it, worship happens not just on Sunday morning, but every day of every week. Amos says, God says through Amos, verse 24, instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. So what does that look like in our everyday, your everyday walking around lives? How do we, how do, we do that? How do we know we're doing this? How, how do we know we're getting it right? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It, it looks like sacrifice. It, it looks like compassion for those who are broken, for those who are hurting. It looks like loving even those people who are unlovely and make it hard to love them, right? Anybody want to confess you got a family member? Somebody's name popped into your head right there. I know I do. I know sometimes it's me. It looks different, right? You know it. Just stick with me on this. You know this. When you see it, right? When you see somebody who's living their life for Jesus, when they're living their life on purpose and in line with what God's Word says, it's different, isn't it? It's weird sometimes, people would say, but you can see it. You recognize it. It's palpable, and you want to be more like it. If you're a Christ follower and you're honest with yourself, you wish at times that you, that you were able to, to do that a little bit better. And I, I would hope so. I do too, because I don't always get this right. right. Sanctification, that's the word that the Bible uses for making us more like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. It's a lifetime process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a journey that we're on. So what does it look like? How do we know when we're getting it right? Well, I love this passage. It, it looks like loving, uh, giving your whole life to God, to his purposes instead of your own. And this, this passage in Romans chapter 12 kind of sums it up. It says, uh, 12, uh, Romans 12 verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't miss this. Wait a second. What is truly the way to worship him? 
by giving him our bodies, giving him our entire lives because of what he's done for us. See, that's worship. It's a response to God out of what he's done for us. He made a way for us through Jesus that we couldn't make for ourselves. And that should, that should cause us to respond in worship, to want to give him our lives as a living sacrifice, to want to live the rest of our days with purpose in his plan, focused on that. Our founding pastor, Richard Swift, used to say, the only problem with a living sacrifice is they keep getting up off the altar, <laughs> right? We say, Lord, take my life. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I, I give you everything. I lay it down right here. And then what do we do Monday morning? Oh, I'm just going to get back up off the altar. I'm going to go this way. We can't help ourselves. Day by day, choice by choice, we choose to do what we want rather than what God wants. You know, whenever I read this verse now, I think of some friends of mine, um, some friends of ours who uh, from the West Campus left Aiken a, a little over a year ago. They had an opportunity. They responded to an opportunity that God placed in front of them. And they left Aiken. They left their extended family, their home group, their church family, their friends to go to Ghana, to go to West Africa. Steve and Angel Miano were kids worship leaders at the West Campus. They were home group leaders there. And now Steve is working for a group called International Justice Mission. And you've probably heard us talk about IJM before. But Steve and his team are actively engaged in seeking out and finding children who have been either sold or kidnapped or traded into slavery. And he's been doing that for a little over a year now. And rather than me talk about it, I want to just share this quick video with you this morning so you can get a sense of what's going on over there. So check this out. Miss <laughs> Can't <laughs> 
I texted with Steve this week and I said, hey man, I just want to let you know I'm going to be talking about IJM this weekend. We're in this justice series and, and, and doing the right thing and I just want to kind of get an update if you can give me an update. And so Steve said that since he's been there, which is just about um, 15 months or so, he and his team have rescued 84 children and arrested 57 slave masters off of Lake Volta. Yeah, that is amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff, but I share that with all of you today, no matter where you are, no matter how you're watching this morning, I want you to know about this because you are a part of it. You're, you're a part of it. If you're a part of Cedar Creek Church, this is a, an extension of, of the ministry that happens, of the work that God allows us to do, right? If you give to Cedar Creek Church, if you have participated in giving to our Christmas Eve water offering, I got some great news. I get to share this today. Nobody else has heard about this. We've been working on this for a while. But we're going to be able to drill one or two wells in Ghana on behalf of IJM so that they can uh, hopefully earn favor and make it a good faith effort with the locals there so that they'll be more open to sharing information about these kids who are slaves. Because, see, this is their industry. This is how they make a living. And so they, they sort of turn the, uh, turn the cheek. They turn a blind eye to what's going on there. But through your generosity, we're going to be able to meet a practical need of theirs by drilling some clean water wells. And hopefully that will cause IJM to have favor in that community and they'll open more doors for them to be able to rescue more kids. Who, would you ever think that drilling a well, that clean water would lead to something like that, to kids being rescued out of slavery? See, living our lives as, as living sacrifices, sometimes, sometimes it looks like packing up everything that you own and moving to another country. And, and sometimes it looks like quitting a job in the middle of a career to pursue something else that God has for you. Sometimes it, it looks like getting out of your comfort zone to open your home to a foster child, a child that otherwise isn't going to have a loving family to, to raise them and to care for them and to teach them about Jesus, to bring them to church here. Sometimes it's just faithfully serving week in and week out as a part of a team on your campus of Cedar Creek Church. Why? Because that's what made it possible for Steve and Angel to grow in their faith, right? For years, the people of Cedar Creek Church have been showing up and creating environments where people can come and feel comfortable to hear about Jesus, the truth of who he is and what he has done, so that they'll worship God, worship the creator, not the creation. And it matters. People's lives are changed. Their eternities are changed. You just think you're serving them a donut or showing them where to park. But you're making a difference. And I want to thank you, everybody who serves as part of a team on any campus of Cedar Creek, anybody who gives to Cedar Creek Church, anybody who has given to the Christmas water offering, you are making an eternal difference that goes far beyond anything you could ever imagine. I only wish we could share more of this stuff more often. But it's happening all the time. Sometimes living a life of sacrifice looks like extending a hand 
to those who are broken, who are hurting, who are trapped by mental illness, by addiction, by things in their life that they can't control. Sometimes it looks like loving God and loving people, like Jesus said. So here's your homework this week. I've gone over the time I told them I was going to go, but this is it. I'm going to wrap up with this. Your homework this week is to examine your life, to ask God to show you where in your life is religious show happening. Where are you going through religious activity, but it doesn't line up with God's word because you're not doing it from a heart that truly loves God. Ask him to show you that and ask him to show you how you can live out justice each and every day. The goal of our lives in Christ is to follow him and to live for him, not for ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning that you are a good God, that you are a God who desires a relationship with us, that you have created us, that you have made us in your image, that you have given us your spirit to empower us, to challenge us, to convict us, to help us to become more like you, Jesus. Father, I pray that we would all worship you and you alone. That we would worship you and serve you. That when everything else is stripped away, that when we, when we take away the music, when we take away the assembly, when we take away the gathering, that we're left with a heart that responds to you in worship. We love you. We thank you. We pray this. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.